We're reading from Revelation chapter 1, from verse 9 to the end of the chapter, which is verse 20. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 onwards. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned round to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white, like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands, is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Tanya, thanks. And uh, Philip, come up. Philip's going to share what God's been speaking to him about as we we look at this passage together. We pray for you, Philip. Let yourself get set first. Yeah, Father, thank you. Thank you for our brother Philip. Thank you for what you've laid on his heart. Thank you for your power at work in him. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in Philip. We pray, fill him afresh in life in general. But now as we listen to what you've laid on his heart, help us, Lord, to receive what you're saying. Anoint his lips. Thank you for what you're speaking to us, Lord. Thank you for your presence with us. And thank you for Philip, Lord. For who he is, for who you've made him to be. And thank you for this time 
Thank you for this incredible vision in your word. Amen. Bless you. Nicky Gumbel, who I'm sure you've all heard of, the uh, vicar of Holy Trinity Brompton and the uh, originator of the Alpha Course, tells us there was a young member of his congregation a few years ago, and he once had a job working in the library of a major national newspaper. The newspaper kept files of old cuttings about every well-known person, and the files were kept in rows of long shelves and they were separated into living persons and dead persons. One day the young man was looking through the files of the dead people and he came upon a large file named Jesus Christ. He glanced over his shoulder to check that no one was looking and he quickly moved the file from the dead people to the living people section. Jesus is alive, amen. That's the whole message of Easter. And as the angel said to Mary at the tomb on Easter day, she, he said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. Luke 24, five to six. He appeared to the disciples and many others for 40 days after his resurrection, and then he ascended into heaven. But that didn't end his appearances to people on earth. We can read in Acts, that Paul and Peter encountered him. And here in Revelation, he appeared to John. And thereafter, thereafter, well, we'll see. Let's, though, give some context first about what we've just heard uh, Tanya reading. We're here in the testimony of the Apostle John. The Apostle John is the fiery character who wanted to napalm a village for rejecting Jesus. Jesus said, just shut up. He remained faithful to the cross. He was there when all the other disciples weren't. He was the one to whom Jesus committed care of his mother. And he was the one who wrote about Jesus in his book 1 John, the first line. What we have, what we have seen, he said about Jesus, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and which our hands have touched. A great witness to the Lord Jesus. When we read, well, the message we read is for, from John as an old man. And as an old man, he's suffering from persecution. Basically, he was exiled, we think, to the prison island um, for being an active man of faith. He did it because he was sent there because of the word of God, he says, and the testimony of Jesus. And so... You know, we don't know what he was doing. He could have been breaking rocks. We know that it was a pretty miserable existence that he was suffering there. And unfortunately, of course, this probably didn't come as a surprise to him because Jesus himself predicted during his own ministry to his disciples, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. Luke 21, 12. They persecuted Jesus, and as he predicted, they would persecute his followers. The persecuted church that we support here, Open Doors, 
can testify that persecution, sadly, is uh, alive and kicking. And yet, in spite, and perhaps because of John's desperate situation, he has this most amazing encounter with the heavenly Lord Jesus. And we're going to consider it from three angles. We're going to consider seeing the heavenly Lord, hearing the heavenly Lord, and responding to the heavenly Lord. Seeing, hearing, and responding. So let's start off by seeing the heavenly Lord. And what's the first impression John has? He said, it was someone like a son of man. Someone like a son of man. This is not a commonplace observation in the context of scripture. Son of man was Jesus's favorite way of referring to himself. It reminds us of a key passage that I believe Jesus regarded as crucial for his ministry in Daniel chapter 7. And that passage proclaimed for Jesus the very authority and power that John could now see in this mighty figure. And I'm going to read it out. Daniel wrote this. Remember, this was hundreds of years before Jesus. Daniel wrote, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is the very identity that Jesus acknowledged for himself before the high priest. The high priest said to him, remember, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? How did Jesus reply? He said this, I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven mark 16 14 62 i am is what jesus said which is the name of god himself yahweh in hebrew from what i understand the name that god himself gave to moses in the burning bush and what glory jesus showed to his suffering disciple john the glory of his robe, the robe that reached down to his feet and with a golden sash across his chest. Both kings and priests would wear a robe and a sash, and I think especially this may indicate his priestly authority. As Dan told us last week, a priest is a bridge between humanity and God. They stand in the gap between God himself and people. But as Dan reminded us as well last week, we all share who follow Jesus as our Savior and Lord, that priestly authority. And then the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, proclaiming wisdom of age. But also, this is the same distinction that Daniel, again, gives to his vision of God himself. Daniel 7, 9 quotes exactly these words. Authority, wisdom, and power shown by Jesus. Hair 
and proclaiming clearly as the quotes come again and again that Jesus is God himself. Jesus is God himself. His eyes were like blazing fire, showing deep insight, omnipotence, knowledge of all things. No secrets are hidden from his glance. And his feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace. <clears throat> the bronze altar in the temple was used to make sacrifices for sin. And it expressed in fire as the sacrifice was burnt, God's judgment on sin. Similarly, Jesus suffered on the cross to take for himself God's judgment for our sin. His feet like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his face finally was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. This reminds us perhaps of the prophecy of Malachi where he said, for those who revere God's name, the son of righteousness, that's S-U-N, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And as John wrote in his own gospel, the light of Jesus' face shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. John 1, 5. Seeing the heavenly Lord. But the encounter, friends, was not just one of sight. John also heard the heavenly Lord speak, and he tells us that his voice <coughs> was like the sound of rushing water. And I think an inspiration to understand better what is being said here is to picture the Grand Canyon. You all know what the Grand Canyon looks like, this amazing gorge in the midst of the desert, which is more than a mile deep and which has been formed by the Colorado River cutting through the rock, the very hard rock for centuries and millennia. The Grand Canyon is such a magnificent place, it shows the irresistible power of rushing water cutting a mile or so deep into the rock. The water carves the land, the water causes cliffs to fall, the water causes land to recede the rushing waters. And again, the creative power and shaping power of the one who is the word of God. John wrote with his gospel, in his gospel, Jesus was with God in the beginning. He was the word of God, right? Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made that has been made. Genesis 1 tells us God said again and again and all creation was formed. The word of God is Jesus. As he spoke, he spoke God's word, the word of creation and power. Indeed, God's own voice by, is, create, is uh, described by Ezekiel is exactly like this. Ezekiel 43.2, his voice was like the sound of rushing, the roar of rushing water. We can just mention also, John also heard a loud voice like a trumpet as would summon the faithful to prayer and worship or to battle in the spiritual realms. So yeah, his voice was amazing, but his words, of course, came deep also, as David's also already reminded us, the words of comfort. He said, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last, I am the living one, I was dead, and look, I am alive 
forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus thereby proclaimed himself to be God. The Father says of himself in the earlier verses that Dan preached on last week, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, in the Greek alphabet. Isaiah 44, 6, God is quoted as saying, I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. And Jesus is the living one, the living one who proclaims what he has accomplished, the defeated death on the cross, and he is alive forever and ever. The one who proclaimed to his followers, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10, 10. Life, what an encouragement to one who was unjustly imprisoned and would fear for his own life, suffering at such an age. So words of comfort came to John, but also words of power. We read that coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword, and that reminds us of the power of God's word to convict us of sin. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Remember the eyes blazing like fire as well there. The sword is also a symbol of justice, a justice that's underlined by the fact Jesus can say, I hold the keys of death and Hades. Paul reminded us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6, 23. And the keys are what Jesus holds, the keys to life and to death. At the last judgment, those who've repented of sin and put their faith in Jesus as their Savior and Lord will be seen as innocent before God, regardless of what they may have done. And those keys are also given over to Jesus' followers. When he imparted the Holy Spirit to his disciples, Jesus said this, if you forgive anyone's sin, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. John 20, 23 meaning crucially that we are called to help people come to know Jesus and to receive the innocence, the absolution that God gives. He said to Peter too, Jesus said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, Matthew 16, 19. So yeah, Jesus spoke words of comfort and words of power, but finally words of command as well. He commanded John to testify to what he has heard, the words that he is supposed to set, give to the seven churches. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. As the rest of the book of Revelation goes into amazing depth. So yeah, I've spoken about what John saw and what John heard, but we should add there is another element, and the element shows that this is not a vision, this is an encounter. This is not a vision, it is an encounter, because when, when I saw him, it's John wrote, I fell at his feet, although dead. Then he placed his right hand on me. 
touch. Jesus wanted to comfort and encourage John with physical touch, not just with words, showing thereby that his appearance was physical, an encounter. Even as he showed the disciples when he ate fish in their presence after resurrection and allowed them to touch his wounds, the wounds that he no doubt still bore and bears forever as our heavenly Lord. So yeah, wow. John did, of course, respond. He wrote down Jesus' words in the book of Revelation. He gave the letters to the churches. He wrote the rest of this amazing book, strengthened by that authority that Jesus gave to him in this, what we can call a commissioning. And there's a lot of parallels, those of you who know your Old Testament, a lot of parallels with the commissioning of the prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah. God told them to go forth and speak his word. So same for John. So what do we make of this? How should we respond to this encounter? I think a quick French lesson might help. (laughs) What we can do with our eyes in French is voir to see. You know, you see anything, random. But there's also regarder, to look. Or with our ears, we can entendre, which is to hear, you know, you may hear uh, someone drilling the road. But also écouter, to listen. And I think a key point is what we risk when we read or hear about this encounter to see and hear the heavenly Jesus passively and not, just, and not to look and listen actively. Yeah, all this is very impressive, you may say. Yeah, the Grand Canyon, wonderful. Yeah, good for John. Nothing much to do with me. Seeing and hearing, but not looking and listening. God said to Isaiah, and Jesus said to many of those he met, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Let's not be like that, eh? Let's understand and perceive, listen and look, écouter et regarder. I got five responses to give to you. Don't worry, it's not too long. After which I ran out of fingers on this hand. (laughs) The first point is that we need to listen to Jesus' words, not to be afraid. John had the natural response to this amazing encounter with the heavenly Jesus. He fell at his feet as though dead. And then Jesus, as we've heard, touched him and gave him the words of comfort and life and blessing that we've heard. Do not be afraid are words that echo through Scripture. 81 times in the Bible, the Lord says these words. It goes right from his covenant with Abraham to the encouragement of the suffering church in Smyrna. So yeah, let's remember those words of comfort for ourselves and those we love, especially when our lives are in turmoil. Do not be afraid. Even when sickness or death threaten, we can remember Jesus holds the keys of death and Hades. He's alive forever and ever. He's always there to give us comfort 
even as he touched John with his right hand. Comfort and not fear. Second point, I think this passage also reminds us to absorb deeply the whole of Scripture. I think there's a tendency and a risk that we just focus on the New Testament. But Jesus said himself, when he appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. See, in the account of Luke 24, he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. So yeah, if we know Daniel, for example, then we're gonna understand much more deeply what Jesus, what, he, what the resonances of the Son of Man and the clouds of heaven. So yeah, let's allow Jesus to open our minds and understand the scriptures. And I'm gonna plug a book at this point, which has really been amazing for me, called Echoes of Scripture in the Gospels by Richard Hayes. I'm afraid it's a bit thick, but it's well worth a read. I've been very much blessed by it. I'll leave it around if anyone wants to have a look after. So yeah, comfort and not fear, truly understanding scripture. What's third? I think we as Christians are reminded that as Jesus holds the keys of death and Hades and speaks the sword of justice, we too must pursue justice with compassion. We too bear those keys. We need to defend the oppressed. As Isaiah wrote, from, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow, seek justice, at present especially for the people of Ukraine, but also for people who need, who are in need now in the UK. Thank heaven, Lord, for the food bank that we provide. So yeah, comfort and not fear, truly understanding scripture, seeking justice. Fourth one, and a key point I think, the fourth and the fifth are linked, is that John had his encounter when on the Lord's day I was in the spirit. On the Lord's day I was in the spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that we too can encounter the heavenly Jesus. Did the Lord not say himself, I will ask the Father and I will give you, he said to his disciples, another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The word, world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus said. I will come to you. That's from John 14. I will come to you. He came to John. He comes to us. He comes for Pete to anyone who seeks him and repents. As he came to Jesus, to John on the prison island, he can indeed come to us if we're open to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think that it will be good if we made time for God, especially on the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is Sunday, what's called the first day of the week. Why do we do this on Sunday and not Saturday like the Jews did, the Sabbath? The reason for that is because Sunday is the day when Jesus came back to life, when he re was resurrected from the dead. So yeah, here's a tip. Try and limit your social engagements and your TV on Sunday and lock away your mobile phone. That's a tricky one, isn't it? But I tell you, 
how did, how did John come to meet with Jesus so powerfully? Well, one thought is, what the heck was he doing on the prison island? He was breaking rocks, but other than that, he was with God in the Holy Spirit. So yeah, lock away your mobile phone on Sunday. There's a thought. Kenrick will check me whether I ever do it. <laughs> or you could find time for reflection an encounter in our garden on a Thursday. Every Thursday, remember, we're open 10 till 4. The Murrays were very blessed, I think, this week. I don't see them here today. But yeah. So yeah, let's be open anyway to the Holy Spirit. Let's be refilled. Let's do that. To take a, Let's finish an analogy from home heating is this. Think of your central heating boiler, right? Your central heating boiler in the winter it's not noisy, but you, the gas is working hard, right? What's it like in the summer? There's a little pilot light that makes sure it doesn't go out. Let's let the Holy Spirit be like the mighty roaring flame that heats the whole house in the gas boiler, and not just the timid pilot light that just about keeps the thing working. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Finally, number five, last one, don't worry. Link to the Holy Spirit's presence. Consider John's account of his amazing experience as his testimony, his testimony. This, this passage is a, a great comfort, by the way, to the persecuted church. They see how God is close to them in their, in their suffering. But the, the experience of John came from, flowed from him being in the spirit. So I would urge you to consider the power of your own testimony all of us who follow Jesus and consider him as our Savior and Lord have had an encounter with him of some kind in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we chose to become his disciple. Maybe it was a dramatic one like John here or like Paul in blazing light on the road to Damascus. Maybe it was like Isaiah who saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Or Jacob, who ended up in a mighty wrestling match. I can witness myself that I encountered Jesus in a bright light that dispelled the darkness and of sickness and spiritual attack that I was suffering back in 97. And that's when I became a Christian. But the encounter doesn't have to be dramatic. It could be equally powerful. And I would instance here, John Wesley, he was listening to Luther's account of the book of Romans, and this is what he said. While the speaker was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and the assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine and save me from the law of sin and death. That's all he says, strangely warmed. But that warming of John Wesley's heart was one that led him to be one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen, who preached thousands of sermons, who brought many, many people to Christ. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It could even be like Elijah. When, what did Elijah encounter? He encountered the Lord, not in the wind, the earthquake or the fire, but in a gentle whisper, a gentle whisper. 
So yeah, if you're a follower of Jesus here today, I think remembering your encounter with Jesus can strengthen your faith. It helps you to remember what comes in the next passage of Revelation. Remember the love you had at first. But remembering your encounter can also, if you speak it out, can kindle faith in other people, even people who are resistant. People can argue with your proclamation of God's word, you know, oh, Bible basher. But it's harder to argue with your own experience, your own encounter can touch people's heart. God's encounter gives his own, when you're talking about God's encounter, that has a divine authority in itself. Especially if you approach people humbly. John here, for example, says your brother and companion. A very humble introduction, he says there. So yeah, I just encourage you, you have a testimony, just tell people, relate it freely. Even people who've heard it before, let them know it again. We need to obey what Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations. And if you don't know Jesus here today as your Savior and Lord, I really encourage you just to reach out to him. As Paul said, and John witnesses here, he is not far from each one of us. You too can encounter the living God in the power of the Holy Spirit. So yeah, let me just close and sum up. We've heard from scripture how John encountered the heavenly Lord looking, listening, feeling his gentle touch. He was commissioned to write the book of Revelation. And I think we need to understand and perceive what God wants to convey to us, how he wants us to respond. I'm suggesting we might be encouraged by this encounter to not be afraid in life's adversities, to steep ourselves more deeply in Scripture and to seek justice for the oppressed. And perhaps most important, to encounter him by being open to the Holy Spirit, to relate widely, if we're a follower, our own encounters with the living God. Or if you're still seeking to open yourself to the Spirit, to reach out to him, for he is not far from you. Amen. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this amazing message from John. And I just pray that you'll help us to respond to the message. Respond in being filled with the Spirit. Respond in being free of fear, understanding Scripture, seeking justice, and proclaiming our own encounters with Jesus. Amen. Before the band take us to the next songs, I just want to leave a space here because maybe someone would like to speak out, mention briefly your encounter with the living God. Or mention maybe times when your testimony has encouraged other people. So do you, does anyone want to speak? I'll just leave a space here for a moment. <laughs>